Good evening, and welcome to episode 9 of Poetic Plonk. I hope you're doing well. It's uh, kind of a hectic time of year with the lead-up to Christmas, with everyone doing their Christmas shopping, slowing down with work, and trying to cram everything in before they go home for Christmas. Yeah, for me it's no different, trying to cram everything in, and also just trying to enjoy the Christmas spirit, really. I've not... Jeez, it's the 10th of December, and I've not even started listening to Christmas music, which is pretty tragic, to be fair. Maybe after I record this episode, I'll whack the old Christmas playlist on and try and get into the swing of things, because usually at this time of year, I'm also watching Christmas movies and just trying to enjoy it, really. I I think, obviously, like, with work going on, and you're also trying to organise Christmas presents and meet all the friends you want to meet before you all head off, it does get kind of crammed, and it's quite hard to just settle down and soak it all in, I guess. Before we get into episode 9, do go ahead and hit the bell button on the podcast homepage to keep up to date with the podcast. Each episode does explore a different topic, so there's no doubt that there will always be something for you. So, let's get into episode 9. Now, if you've already seen the title, which I'm pretty sure you will have, this episode does kind of focus on the Peaky Blinders. And if you've seen the series The Peaky Blinders, then you'll know the gang from Birmingham were active from around about the late 1800s to the 1900s, or actually the early 1900s. And even though the show does depict the Peaky Blinders to have been around a bit longer, this is purely fictional. They weren't actually around in the 1920s or 30s. And until I looked into the Peaky Blinders, to be honest, I didn't even realise Thomas Shelby is a completely fictional character who was mildly based on the real-life gang leader Thomas Gilbert, also known as Kevin Mooney. Which, it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's a spoiler, but it does kind of take the, the specialness away from Peaky Blinders. For me anyway, I think finding out that the notorious Thomas Shelby never existed is bit of a party pooper. And although Thomas Shelby in the show does have some quality lines, some favourites of mine, I am my own revolution, and upon answering the question, what is your business, he replies, import-export. They're simple but effective lines. But as I said, even though he does have some great lines in the show, he isn't the poet that we'll be exploring in this episode. So how does this all relate to poetry? Well, Another man who was also born in Birmingham mastered his craft of poetry at a young age and fought for what he believed in until the very end. He has a very distinct link to the show. Benjamin Zephaniah was born on the 15th of April in 1958, and he made a career of not only being an esteemed poet in his own right, but also a very outspoken activist. Zephaniah was a Windrush child, his mother having emigrated from Barbados. Naturally, this had a heavy impact on his life's work, not just his poetry, but also his activism and what exactly Benjamin decided to fight for. And unfortunately, in the 60s, when he was growing up as a child, there was widespread racism in the UK, and Zephaniah did experience severe racism on a daily basis as a child in Birmingham. And on top of this, Zephaniah's distant father also brought violence into the household, 
with his mother receiving the brute of the beatings. And unfortunately, it eventually got to a stage where Zephaniah's mother took him and went on the run, actually having to leave her other children with the man that was beating her because there wasn't enough time to round them all up and take them away from the home. This meant that both Zephaniah and his mother had to live in severe poverty to avoid the physical brutality that was waiting at, I like to put the word home in quotation marks. And Zephaniah's juvenile years unfortunately didn't get much better. He was arrested multiple times for violence and burglary, but what else could you expect having grown up in such troubled and toxic conditions as a child? But there comes a point when a junction arrives, and you need to decide if you want to continue on the path you're on and accustomed to, or if you want to change lanes and in this case follow your dreams. And Zephaniah realised at the age of 22 that he needed to make that change, as he wasn't sure what the reality was of him even making it to the age of 23. So, Zephaniah took it upon himself to move to London to follow his dreams of becoming a poet, and he proved that dyslexia was no issue for him to create poetry that would go on to impact millions of people. His lifeline was lyricism. Even his name, Zephaniah, means treasured by God, so it's no surprise that his prophetism would soon show its hand. Zephaniah would go on to perform his poetry every chance he was given at that young age, whether that was with groups in public, or going to gigs and comedy nights and performing his art during the breaks. There was no doubt that he was doing everything he could to chase his dream in the burrows of London. And Zephaniah released his first poetry collection with a group of poets, a collective as such, in 1980 called Pen Rhythm. He soon transformed his poetry, coupling it with his Caribbean roots by writing dub poetry, which is performative poetry of Jamaican origin. And this led to his album Rasta being released in 1982. So, as you can hear, his life was quickly snowballing, and his life of struggle was very much in the rearview mirror. But that's exactly the thing. Zephaniah always kept an eye on the rearview mirror by being an activist and giving his honest thoughts in what he believed in. This can be seen not just in his poetry, but as I said, in his activism and his actions. His poem, Wrong Radio Station is very much worth a listen, you can simply find it on YouTube. There's a truly powerful line that, honestly in my opinion, still rings true today. It shows the timelessness of Zephaniah's poetry. The line is, I think I can bomb my way to peace. I think this sums up the thought process of world leaders and politicians' shameless approaches to getting to what they view as peace. There's also another line in the poem Wrong Radio Station that's, oh yeah, globalization will bring salvation. I've been listening to the wrong radio station. Both of these lines show Zephaniah's skepticism of governments and their policies. And this shows how he lyrically evoked his thoughts and feelings. But I would say his actions outside of poetry were also very, very powerful. And in 2003, he refused an OBE, 
which is the second highest honour you can receive in the UK before receiving a knighthood. And when he was asked why he rejected this honour, he stated, No way, Mr Blair, who was the current PM at the time. No way, Mrs Queen. I am profoundly anti-empire. Now that's a hefty statement to make. Not just in a newspaper or in any context, but he actually made this statement on live television with millions of people watching on national television. So I think that goes to show just how outspoken he was and he really didn't care about just stating his opinions and didn't care what the consequences were. But if you consider his background, I think it's fully understandable from an empathetic point of view. If you consider the historical context of what the British Empire and the Windrush generation went through, but even before that, if you consider all of the historical context around this, and then Zephaniah's childhood and background, I think you can very much empathise with, with his views. But how does Zephaniah's poetry relate to gangsters from Birmingham? Well... Zephaniah actually played the role of a preacher in Peaky Blinders. His character was called Jeremiah Jesus, and he played this character between the inception of the show and 2022. He appeared in 14 episodes. And in my opinion, his appearances in Peaky Blinders very much enabled him to go on stage in front of a wider audience. And even though his poetry and activism was already recognised globally. Zephaniah's appearances on Peaky Blinders, as I said, unlocked a new audience into what he could offer outside of the TV screen. And today, it's very much a tribute episode, as unfortunately Zephaniah passed away last week at the young age of 65 years old. And we'll be exploring a poem with very relevant social backgrounds. The poem that we'll be exploring today is called We Refugees. So, without further ado, this is We Refugees by Benjamin Zephaniah. I come from a musical place where they shoot me for my song, and my brother has been tortured by my brother in my land. I come from a beautiful place where they hate my shade of skin, they don't like the way I pray, and they ban free poetry. I come from a beautiful place where girls cannot go to school. There you are told what to believe, and even young boys must grow beards. I come from a great old forest. I think it is now a field, and the people I once knew are not there now. We can all be refugees. Nobody is safe. All it takes is a mad leader, or no rain to bring forth food. We can all be refugees. We can all be told to go. We can be hated by someone for being someone. I come from a beautiful place where the valley floods each year. And each year, the hurricane tells us that we must keep moving on. I come from an ancient place. All my family were born there. And I would like to go there. But I really want to live. I come from a sunny, sandy place where tourists go to darken skin, and dealers like to sell guns there. I just can't tell you what's the price. I am told I have no country now. I am told I am a lie. 
I am told that modern history books may forget my name. We can all be refugees. Sometimes it only takes a day. Sometimes it only takes a handshake or a paper that is signed. We all came from refugees. Nobody simply just appeared. Nobody's here without a struggle, and why should we live in fear of the weather or the troubles? We all came here from somewhere. So there's quite a few things to explore within this poem, and I wasn't really sure myself where to start. But I think if we actually start chronologically in terms of how the poem flows, let's start with the line, And my brother has been tortured by my brother in my land. I think this not only shows his own conflicts with, not necessarily where he feels like he's from, because he was born and grew up in the UK in Birmingham, but his heritage is very much from the Caribbean. I think there's so many different layers to this first line. So if we start on the first layer, his brother, who in this sense would be someone from the Caribbean, in contrast to his other brother, who is from the UK, tortured by my brother in my land. I think the familial words that he uses here, so the word that he uses brother, emphasizes such a powerful feeling and emotion of sadness, because the familial word brother that he uses here, it's so powerful in emphasizing the fact that essentially he feels like his family's fighting, even though obviously his brothers aren't brothers here, they're not from the same place. But if we reflect and think about his overall message of the poem, it's that we all come from somewhere. Essentially, we are all refugees, we are all one big group of people. And he goes on to say that he comes from a beautiful place. And it's hard to believe that he comes from a beautiful place when things such as this are happening. However, that's fully out of the Caribbean's control because it was very much the British Empire that decided to, in this sense, torture people from this land. Meaning that it was a beautiful place, but it just got pillaged. Now, this poem is quite clearly written from a personal perspective, and I'd say a very personal perspective, because these are quite clearly his own experiences rather than those from a fictional character. And this can be seen further on in the poem, where he really ties on that emotional connection. The line, we can be hated by someone for being someone. I think this connection not only relates to him and his career of where he's, he himself has had to experience racism and all the nonsense that comes with it, but if you take this line, which in its sense is so powerful, out of the context of refugees, it still harpers true, because no matter who you are or what you're doing in life, there will always be someone who wants to drag you down. And even further than that, unfortunately in this context of refugees, there are a significant amount of people, especially in the UK, who aren't advocates of welcoming refugees with open arms into the country. And this was at the end of the day one of the driving forces of Brexit, but I'm not going to go into that shitstorm. And what I find most shocking in this context, out of everything that has been mentioned, is that 
The refugees are hated for being something that they themselves have no control over. They don't choose to be refugees. They're not sat there at home thinking, okay, today I'm going to go do this that will enable me to become a refugee. That's that's just not how it's happened. The definition of a refugee is a person who has been forced to leave their country due to war, persecution or natural disaster. And therefore, they're being hated for something that they have no control over. Yet thousands of people will state that these refugees should simply go elsewhere because that's such an easy solution, right? Why should they come to the UK? And as a UK citizen, it staggers me to think how people think like this. Our culture is literally built on external influences. And sure, this wasn't done in the right circumstances through the British Empire. But if we think to the modern day, we're so multicultural as a country. If you literally go on Google right now and search England's national dish, it'll come up with a chicken tikka masala. And some people may find that amusing in its own right, which, okay, whatever. But I think it's great that the multicultural influences within the UK has let that happen and enable us to have such a variety of food and cuisine influences. So why wouldn't you want to help people and enable this type of thing to happen? And help people that have been forced to leave their home, their own country. I'm fairly sure that if there was a natural disaster in the UK, then the tables would very quickly turn. And those people turning down refugees' entry into the UK would quickly be begging for shelter elsewhere. It truly is saddening to see not just how people in the UK view refugees, but also people within Europe and even globally. And that leads us on nicely to the last line I'd like to explore. The line, we all came from refugees. Nobody simply just appeared. We all came here from somewhere. This brings it all home, and it's also Zephaniah beautifully drawing the poem closer to us on a more personal level. At the end of the day, if you look down your own family tree, someone in your lineage will have come from elsewhere to inhabit the home you're from. So if I take the UK as an example, a lot of people will have Viking or Norse heritage, meaning there's Scandinavian roots deep in your blood. And sure, where you're born and the place you've grown up in will feel like it is your home. And sure, it is. But it's important to remember that it hasn't always been that way. Wouldn't you want to give someone the chance to start a new life and turn the page? Who knows? It's an extreme example. But if climate change keeps progressing as the scientists predict it will, then when it all comes to fruition, we'll all be refugees searching for a new home. So I think it's important to remember that no one has any inherent right what they perceive as their home country, especially if people are forced out of theirs. And this brings us to a close for today's episode, which has been fairly political, but I think it's also important to address modern social issues. And it's a different type of poetry to explore, which is what this podcast is all about exploration of different types of poetry, whether it's contemporary or modern poetry. So I'd like to thank you all for tuning in to episode 9 of Poetic Plonk. On that note, 
Have a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I'll see you on the next one.